Welcome to the Grow Your Practice podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Chad Madden, owner of Madden Physical Therapy and Breakthrough. Join me each week as we dive into the best practices, systems, principles, tips, and tricks to help you grow your private practice. Hi, everybody. Chad Madden here with the Grow Your Practice podcast. And in this episode, we're going to be talking with Matt Vanderkoy. And Matt is not only a practice owner, but uh, also is uh, involved with Solve Global. We're going to explain exactly what that is uh, in a second here. Uh, we're going to talk about how Matt came to the podcast. It was a mutual in- in- introduction from Paul Welk. Many of you know Paul Welk um, as he's been on the podcast a few times, but I was asking for somebody who was successful in going to employers. And Matt, it seems, that you have the model, exactly how to do that. You've also incorporated it into your private practice. So welcome to the podcast here. Well, thank you very much, Chad. Appreciate uh, being here. And uh, even before we get started, just want to say thank you for what you've done for our profession. Um, one of my business partners took uh, Killer Marketing with you uh, back uh, several years ago. And uh, that started us um, along the lines of becoming uh, less dependent on physician referrals in our clinics. Um, so I just wanted to, you know, say that initially, thank you for what you've done for a profession. I think it's essential, um, what you've done to decrease that dependency. So I just wanted to say thank you, um, for that. You are welcome. And thank you for implementing, which is the, the best part is that we're so much stronger when we're all doing it together. Um, how did you get started with uh, new life physical therapy? I know you've been in practice for 20 plus years, Matt. Can you talk a little bit about how you became a PT, how you got started with uh, with private practice as well. Yeah, absolutely can do that. Yeah, my interest in physical therapy started way back uh, when my dad had a knee injury, actually. Um, he said, hey, you should check this profession out. I think it's pretty cool. So I went and I uh, I saw what they did with him in therapy. And then I went, boy, this profession's pretty cool. You can use your brain. Uh, you can use your hands. Uh, you can be physically active. Uh, it seems like it might be a good fit. So uh, start taking the courses. Um, got a job as a physical therapy tech uh, one summer and, and uh, confirmed that physical therapy was where I wanted to go. So got into the profession uh, way back in the, the 90s and have enjoyed uh, growing in the profession ever since. That's great. So uh, are, are you originally from Wisconsin? Actually, originally from Michigan. Um, I've been a Wisconsin transplant since 90, 96, I think, is when I moved to Wisconsin. Nice. And then you got out of, uh, you graduated from PT school. And then how did you get started with a uh, private practice and new life? Yeah. So my, my first job, what I was really looking for was actually a place to be mentored, which is not uncommon for folks uh, today, right? Uh, we, we often, we, we want to be mentored. So I was trying to find a spot to be mentored. I wanted to grow as a manual therapist, first of all. Um, so I, I found a, a hospital-based system uh, where there was some really cool people that worked there. Um, problem was shortly after I got there, they all started leaving. <laughs> I, mean, I couldn't figure out why. Why is this? Um, so I was there for about, um, in all about six years, but uh, the dis- disillusionment started to set in um, it, you know, year, year four and five when I realized that at that hospital, it was a nonprofit actually. Um, it really became very apparent. It was more about the facilities and the dollars than it was about patient care. And um, I really got into the 
business physical therapy because I thought it was a cool profession, but ultimately using my hands and my brain and being physically active, I can make a difference in people's lives and help them get back to what they want, love, and need to be able to do. So um, that's why I got into it. And I was really finding in, in the hospital-based setting, um, I wasn't able to give care the way I thought it should be delivered. So back in 2002, um, made the leap, a uh, little uh, thousand square foot practice in the middle of town, a little building cost me 600 bucks a month uh, and went to it. And it was kind of weird, you, you know, from a marketing perspective, um, you know, I thought, yeah, I just opened the doors and people would come. It was weird. It didn't happen that way. <laughs> yeah. The, the uh, just out of curiosity, did the hospital, the healthcare system that you came from, did they have, well, they had their own PT. Did they have their own outpatient facilities as well? Yeah. Yeah, they did. They had uh, a brand new, it, it really, when it was, um, the PT facility was initially in the, in the hospital, this older hospital. And it was really great because it was really about people and making a difference. But then they built a new outpatient medical facility where they built, put physical therapy in. And there was a transition in culture where it really became about the buildings and the money. Um, and that's when it really went south. It's interesting. Yeah. Yep. Fair enough. I appreciate you sharing that story, Matt. The, um, I want to next ask you about Solve Global. And I know you got uh, into that fairly early within private practice. Can you talk about the problem um, that you were seeing within your practice or within the industry that ultimately led you to, to co-found that and exactly what it is? Yeah. So I started practice in 2002 and and actually, it was a, a year in, I, I really realized there's a lot of people that weren't getting um, to physical therapy, either in private practice or even to the hospitals. And these people were in companies. And what what was keeping them from coming to physical therapy, they had deductibles even back then. And a lot of it was they didn't know what physical therapy could do was another problem. And I really realized that there's a whole huge population of people that we're not reaching in our clinics. Um, and there's a little different reason for that today than it was back in 2003. But I figured if I'm going to give help to these folks in these companies, I need to go to where they are. And I actually met my partner in Solve Global back in 2003. And he was uh, he worked back in the, the 90s, uh, 80s and, and 90s even, um, with companies like Ford, um, Mazda, U.S. Steel, Herman Miller, companies like that. And he was pioneering some strategies there uh, to take care of people with musculoskeletal disorders. Um, I met him in 2003, and we started to take his strategies, and we started to evolve them. And we started to add technology to these um, strategies. And we started implementing in 2005 uh, with our first company, um, um, as uh, Solve Global, and we've been basically building, evolving ever since. And, and Solve Global exists basically to maintain people, um, like they are, like machines are maintained. We actually maintain people and protect them. And by so doing, we protect employers' profitability. And we actually help them maintain people um, instead, retain people instead of lose them because they they hurt. Um, so it's all about comprehensive musculoskeletal care to, to maintain and protect people. Okay. So uh, I, I, I want to stay on that for a little bit. It, you, your first customer, you went into a large employer. They were, was it blue collar work, white collar work, combination of both? 
It was a combination of both. It was it's in the glass industry. It was our first our first company was actually in glass. Uh, the, the Cardinal Glass is the the company that we started with in 2005. They make the windows for um, they make the glass for windows like Anderson and Pella actually. Um, and a lot of people were doing material handling. Um, they were doing fork truck driving. They were um, but also doing a lot of desk work and uh, computer uh, work as well. Okay. And then the services that you were providing them, because I know for many employers, uh, a worker's comp claim is devastating, right? Uh, and and costs the company a lot of money. So you were going in with a solution as a physical therapist with Solve Global, and you were helping uh, maintain the health of the, the workers, right? The musculoskeletal health of the workers. And you were doing that at, where were you, what exactly the services, what services were you providing them at? So kind of our niche um, and our, our, our value proposition for companies is we developed a tool to find risk in the populations before the claims actually would happen, either in group health or in workers' comp. So we would find risk in populations. So we would look at this company and we'd be able to tell them that your A-shift, your A-shift cold end workers have your greatest risk right now for low back claims and it's related to reaching. So we can find that risk and then we can strategize with them and how we can decrease that risk. And it, and decreasing risk is all about improving the match of the employee with their task demands and the environment they're doing it in. So we would find that risk either by populations and by individuals and we could reach out to people before they would get into the health system, seeing the doctors, the ERs, and the urgent cares. And we'd actually reach out to them because we'd find them with our predictive analytic tool and we'd be able to say, hey, can we help you? And and that's really a, a big deal. One of the things that is a challenge in provider world is human behavior. And Clayton Christensen, the late Clayton Christensen, when he was talking about innovating healthcare, he mentioned that we have a problem with our healthcare, and there's a lot of problems, but one of them is actually human behavior. And he said that only uh, 20% of the population cares about their health all the time. 80% only cares when they're sick. So if we just put a provider on site and they sit in an office or, they, or they're here you know, a given day a week, it's 20% of the population that's going to use that service because they care about their health. 80%? They're not going to utilize that service. When they start to hurt, they're going to think they're sick and they're going to go to the doctor, which they've always done. We've got to break up that cycle of doctor first to physical therapy first. Um, and to do that, we've got to get to them before they think they're sick. Um, so that was a big premise um, that we built our system on is to, to interact with people before they get out of system into the health system, which we know is fraught with waste and overspending. Yeah, that's great. And just to double back on Clayton Christensen, you're referring to the uh, innovate, uh, Innovator's Prescription, I think is the name of that? You got it. You yeah. got it. And, wow. and the so he wrote the book Innovator's Prescription, which is fantastic. And he actually, that 80-20 that, that I just talked about, he was talking to Mayo um, when I first heard that. Um, it was very interesting. That was one of the big things he talked about. And then he also brought up the point that for every um, for every ten dollars a community health system takes in, they spend a dollar on patient care. Um, so that was another thing he said in that um, 
in that talk that really inspired me to say, hey, we've got to do this different. We've got to do this better. We've got to bring care outside of the traditional healthcare systems and do it in a better way. That's great. Um, yeah, just it's funny that you brought that up. I had read the Innovator's Dilemma and Innovator's Prescription years ago, and then just recently grabbed it again last week, like was looking at my notes, and I can't believe you brought that up. Um, Good you, stuff. Good yeah. stuff, isn't it? Matt, you, you mentioned a, a predictive analytical tool. What were the, um, and before we get into the relationship that you have with the employers there, what what are the inputs in that? Can you give us like a, a general overall prescription or description of, of what that would look like and how you're you're doing that? Because, you know, it's easy to get overwhelmed in the data um, and looking at that. So is there like a biomechanical analysis component? Like, how are you doing that? Yeah, so we have an app actually. We've we've gone to an app. You know, initially we started just, uh, you know, very analog, uh, but now we have an app where we find we basically um, are checking in with employees and we're finding out where where and when people are having comfort and performance issues. So they'll let us know if they're having a comfort and performance issue. And then we have an algorithm that lives behind our check-in with employees that assigns risk. So we can basically stratify risk in populations as well. So I can look at, I can see one person is closer to an expensive claim than another, and I can follow up with that um, individual. So we have an algorithm that lives behind a check-in that will allow us to stratify risk in populations and prioritize. Um, so that's the, the input. And then we also then work with providers that are able to rebalance a person. When they, we find risk, we got to mitigate that risk. We have to mitigate the risk. And the risk is always an imbalance between that individual, their task demands, and the environment. And it's our job to rebalance that. Um, and physical therapists are uniquely trained to be the profession to do that rebalancing. That's what's exciting about our profession, I think. Nice. And in your model with Solve Global, is it primarily, are the treatments, are the interventions primarily within the workplace or are they more so within your, your clinics? So one of the things that we've kind of explored and we've, we've worked to build is a model that we, that we think is most effective now and going into the future. And I, and I really think it's a hybrid model where it's not all on site, it's not all in our clinics, and it's not all online either. But we have to be able to reach people where they're at. And I really think that we need to be able to reach people online, on site, and near site. So so that's our our delivery model is a blend of those things where where we are able to leverage technology, but also utilize our unique skill set. I, th- I think um, some of the, the, the bigger players in this space of musculoskeletal direct to employer, um, they're looking to do it all online or all virtually. Um, and I, there's, there's a way to scale that very quickly. But I also do think that misses some of the things that we are uniquely positioned to do face to face. So I think we need to have online tools, and we built one of those as well. We have an online tool that allows us to work online, but there's something special about the hybrid approach, I believe. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And uh, yeah, just the, literally the last guest we had on the podcast uh, spoke in a very similar way where they have an online treatment model, but oftentimes you know, the person's coming in for a live visit as well to complement that. So I appreciate what you said there. The... 
So next question that I have for you, Matt, is within, obviously you're very in tune with how employers are thinking about uh, human maintenance, for lack of a better term, and especially musculoskeletal maintenance. What are trends that you're seeing in today's uh, marketplace that are relevant? Um, if I'm a private practice owner and I don't have this set up, how do I think about mitigating those trends or really, you know, uh, selling my services to an employer? Can you talk a little bit about that, about what you're seeing? Yeah, I'd be happy to. I think as a, a private practitioner and as a physical therapist, I think one of the biggest frustrations for me um, is the the trend that we're seeing now and we have for a long time, which is the, the physical therapist being on the back of the uh, train, the, the caboose, so to speak. Where, where we get folks after they've exhausted every other option, right? And then when they come to see us, things are chronic and, and, and hard to get better. So, so we find that physical therapists traditionally have been put in a box of doing rehab therapy. And I think that the trends that are becoming more available now are the, the trends that allow us to do, that will allow us to do it much more uh, because employers are seeing that they've got to get a handle on their, um, on their healthcare costs. Um, one of the interesting things trend-wise on that is before COVID, when we were in the, you know, 2018, 2019, healthcare spend was going up almost exponentially and people were looking for solutions. COVID hit and, and it became just stay open. Um, then we started to have supply chain issues. After co we came out of COVID, people were really worried about supply chain issues. But now what we're seeing is a trend where employers are really realizing we have to retain our people. And what's happening is that healthcare costs are starting to go up exponentially again, you know, at a rate of 10 plus percent on a lot of premiums that employers are paying. And what's also interesting right now is employers are no longer able to handle that increase in cost the same way they were five, even five years ago, which was, well, let's just shift more costs over to the employee. So they would do that via higher deductibles, higher co-pays, higher premiums. But what, what's happened with that is that way to control costs has been exhausted. Also, with the shortage of workers, employers need to take better care of their people to, to retain them. So they are really in a position where they need to change their health care benefits as usual and really, really actually, truly now take better care of their people. And if they do that well, they can lower their costs. So I, I think we're in a time of opportunity in regards to the employer mindset um, with their stressors and being able to respond to that. Um, so I think that's exciting. Um, I think in in the clinic side of things, I think we have some pressures that would say, hey, we, we should go after this opportunity. And some of those, you know, those stressors and trends that I'm seeing, the, the declining reimbursement that continues to happen, right? We see that continually happening with Medicare. And another trend that's happening is employers, when they become self-insured, are basing what they're going to pay for services based on a percentage of Medicare. So as as employers are putting in self-insured health plans, um, those rates that those health plans are paying is going down along with Medicare. So in the traditional model of rehab therapy, delivery dependent on insurance, 
we're seeing a pressure of declining reimbursement while we're having what we all have seen with the inflation. So we need to come up and say, hey, we've got to find um, different revenue streams, better revenue streams that are outside of the the compression of insurance and also outside of the administrative burden of insurance that we, we all know so well with prior off and such. So, so I think we're kind of in a time of a, a bit of a perfect storm of opportunity here where we're being pushed to do something <laughs> in our practices and the opportunity is there because employers are looking for solutions. So I, re- I really think now is a really good time uh, to go after this opportunity, these, these new revenue streams that are there for us. What are some of the biggest opportunities? You mentioned employers, Matt. What are some of the biggest opportunities you see in the marketplace today? I see I see some of the biggest opportunities is direct to employer and direct to consumer. I think those two those two pieces. Um, the in, in the on the clinic side, we do have people with high deductible health plans. So when they have those high deductible, they're going to be looking for more economical models. Um, and in the the other thing that's happening is healthcare systems are charging so much for physical therapy. I may not be popular here when I say this, but I do not think all physical therapy is good value. Um, and I say that because I see hospital charges um, that are as high as $1,000 for the first visit. And I, and I can't tell somebody and look them in the face and say, okay, I think that is the best value for you right now with your low back pain, your acute low back pain. So that opportunity creates um, create that that environment is creating opportunity for us in private practice that can put out a, a, a better option for price outside of our traditional clinic walls. But I think also you know, that employer opportunity where the, that employer is trying to invest in the right things for their people. And what they're really, the best things for them to invest in in their people is a plan that emphasizes primary care and there's a, a niche in primary care that's been that we've missed out on, and that niche is musculoskeletal primary care. And we should be doing musculoskeletal primary care population health management. And that's what we need tools for. That's what we, we should be offering for employers because we all know that physicians are not trained to be able to provide musculoskeletal primary care. They're trained to order, injection, uh, order injections. They're trained to uh, order images, and they're trained to prescribe and refer they're not trained to get to root cause. So I think there's a huge opportunity um, right now in regards to that musculoskeletal primary care and population health uh, where we can go beyond being rehab therapists and we can really um, actually practice at the top of our license. I think we have just incredible opportunity to do that right now. That's great. And only because you put yourself out there and you're vulnerable in the uh, not all PT is the same. I'm going to back you up here. <laughs> so uh, I I have EOBs from our patients who have gone to the healthcare systems in our area. Also, somebody from your neck of the woods, you mentioned Michigan. So I know I have an EOB, copy of an EOB from Michigan, and it's a four-unit visit, first visit, an eval. Uh, the one that I have from here is a $1,200 charge. The one that I have from Michigan, I think it's higher. I think it's same, you said 1000 but I've seen those charges. And then in both cases, they were reimbursed for a four-unit first visit. So that's like an eval, a TE, maybe a neuromuscular re-ed, and maybe a gait training or something like that. Um, but a four-unit visit that I think our average is 102. 
is what we would get reimbursed. Maybe it's a little bit higher for the eval. But uh, in both of those cases, it was over three hundred dollars for and I and just only looking at your CV of what I can see, you know, you're an OCS, you're fellowship trained, um, th- lots of meaningful letters to me after your name, Matt. Uh, like I, I would, I'm pretty sure if I had back pain, I would much rather come to you or see one of your therapists than go to the the routine healthcare system. That's just me though. But, uh, yeah, thank, thank you again for putting yourself out there. And I think you're in, in good company. Um, when, so you get to talk with a lot of employers and build relationships there. Um, can you talk through or comment on like how they're thinking about creating value for their employees without increasing their expenses. So I know there's a, a narrative that goes with that. Um, I have friends in the call it preventative health space um, that work directly with employers. And I, I know many times we're surprised to hear like how employers are looking at uh, not really cutting their costs, but getting more mileage out of their uh, em- employee investment. So that conversation is a difficult one to have, actually, um, and difficult to navigate. It's it's been much harder than I thought. You know, as we've been working on on selling this uh, this strategy for uh, fifteen plus years here, the, the the reason the conversation is so difficult to have is because employers are so used to not being able to do anything with their their health insurance. Um, and they just get and they trust the brokers and the brokers are saying, well, there's really nothing you can do, but, uh, let us negotiate this 10% increase down to a 6% increase and let us take care of you. They're so used to doing that and taking their healthcare expenses and saying, uh, here you go, broker, you, you're, I trust you and you're the person that can handle this for me. And, and the problem with that is that the broker is uh, not only getting paid by the employer, the broker is also getting paid by the insurance carrier in um, in uh, back-end dollars coming back to them and overrides and such. So so the, the broker is getting paid by the insurer to sell the insurance product to the employer who's also paying them. So the, the challenge, one of the biggest challenges in navigating that long-standing broker-employer relationship so there's an art to that, and there's an art to um, helping the employer understand their problems and and helping the employer understand that there's a solution outside of traditional health care for their for their problems. And I do think we're in a time where employers are willing to 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 listen to this more. Um, but it it is challenging um, that that narrative of helping them see that there's a there is answers outside of traditional healthcare because many are still listening to the traditional broker. So, so it takes a bit of caressing uh, to work that through. Well, um, you've been in the private practice game for a while, Matt. What are some of the biggest ways, especially more recently, that you've seen the profession hold itself back? Oh, that's a really good question. I. I think my 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 first um, my first firing <laughs> my first uh, or the, the first shot I would fire would be at at health systems. Um, I think what health systems are charging for physical therapy is killing our profession. I mean, we we're trying to say physical therapy is high value when people are getting these EOBs, 
um, that is holding us back. And I, I, I heard this 10 years ago, physical therapy is too expensive. And it's not physical therapy in private practice. We're the best value out there. Um, it is physical therapy in the health systems. And actually, for us, Chad, in, in Wisconsin, um, where I'm at now, grew up on the other side of the lake, but where I'm at now in Wisconsin, um, we, we see EOBs coming in six to six hundred to a thousand dollars and we actually see them being reimbursed at sometimes five to six hundred bucks. Um, you know, they're getting sixty to seventy percent of what they're billing in these health systems. And that's a single visit. Single visit. Yeah. So I think I think that's the biggest thing holding our profession back, um, is is that that cost. I think other things that are holding our profession back is, is a mindset um, that we are, can provide the most value in our clinic behind our clinic walls. Um, I think we need to be willing to step outside of our clinic walls, and we're able to deliver so much more than simple um, rehabilitation therapy. We are trained to be the, the musculoskeletal primary care provider. Um, that I think, and I think we can be that provider, but we, we've got to change our mindset and say, okay, we're going to step out of our traditional mindset and clinic wall to do that. The other, the other thing I think that has held us back is actually, um, is still the rehab therapy mindset. And I think we built, we built our professional model on that from our APTA guidelines of documentation. It's built on rehab episodes and musculoskeletal primary care is not a rehab episode. Um, we, when we're working with employees, um, I actually get to, to work with people from hire to retire. I've been able to high five people and I work with them a little bit here, you know, a little bit six months from now, a little bit two months from now. And we just keep them going, keep training and teaching and, and helping them fit their tasks. So, so we're alongside people on their journey of life as opposed to you come in and see me for an episode of therapy and then you are on your way. So we, we built constraints in our, in our documentation um, around, oh, we have to do a, a, a plan of care with, you know, frequency, a duration, long and short-term goals. Well, you know, I'm working with people over their lifespan, not to rehab a surgery. So it's, it's a, a different mindset that I think we need to have. It, it, we need to we need to love rehab therapy, but let's also do musculoskeletal care. Let's do uh, our musculoskeletal primary care. Let's also do um, training, personal training for people, moving them into health plus. Let's work with people with chronic degenerative conditions and keep them going. So I think I think we put ourselves in a rehab therapy box that I think we need to get ourselves out of. So. So those are the the mindsets I think that we need to change. I also think it would be helpful if we, instead of trying to perfect our, uh, protect our profession um, and, and just be happy with protecting um, and holding our uh, whatever whatever we do and not let anybody else do what we do. I think there are protections that we need to do. Uh, don't get me wrong, but I think. We need to, instead of trying to hold everything in, we need to reach out. We need to look how else we can use our skill sets out there in the world to help the marketplace, to solve the marketplace's problems. I think that's how we can create incredible value. Yeah, I appreciate what you said there. I know uh, very recently I was listening to, I believe Peter Atia was just on Andrew Huberman uh, podcast. So Peter Atia is a longevity um, 
believe an MD out of New York. Um, yeah, focuses primarily in longevity. Um, has I think uh, the Drive podcast. Andrew Huberman is a neuroscientist, neuro ophthalmologist from uh, California. Um, has a pretty interesting podcast, and and they were talking about how they do the Centarian Olympics. Like, you know, in order for you to be active and have a healthy life at 100 years old, here are the things that you. This is where you should be when you're 50. This is where you should be when you're 60. And uh, they they have a lot of data and discuss that research. But when I was listening to that, the thing that resonated with me, Matt, which you just essentially said in an, another way, or at least alluded to is nobody is in a better position to optim optimize musculoskeletal health than the physical therapist. But we, we do niche ourselves down to, well, I can see you when you have a musculoskeletal disorder and a loss of function. And that is the only time that I can ever work with you. And I, again, appreciate what you said there. Other than that and the opportunities that you just mentioned, is there anything else that you see with regards to like looking at the last 20, 25 years in practice, and then also looking forward to the future. Any other direction, any other opportunities um, for growth, anything like that that you see with regards to private practice PT? Yeah, I think I think those are, are pretty much the, the, the big ones. Uh, but I also think there's other opportunity to um, to tap into the non-traditional um, the healthcare de delivery sector. And what I'm talking about there is the lifestyle medicine folks. We're, we're a perfect fit to work with the lifestyle medicine groups because we're all about physical activity and lifestyle. So, so I think there is a way for us to align ourselves um, outside of the traditional healthcare system as well and get other non-traditional referral sources. And you, you kind of reminded me of one other thing, Chad, when you were talking about musculoskeletal disorders. Um, that musculoskeletal disorder space is one that you didn't really hear about 10 years ago in, unless there was a company that was trying to solve a work comp problem. And which is kind of weird because musculoskeletal disorders are actually a number one chronic disease um, in group health benefits as well. You have MSDs, cardiovascular conditions, cancer, diabetes, obesity, and depression. So MSD is the number one cost there, um, but it's only 20% of the total cost. So it's not given the um, the press, so to speak, there. And then because it's thought it because employee benefits are different from work comp, the true cost of musculoskeletal for companies is siloed in these different areas of the company, so it's not really appreciated. Um, but what I think is such an opportunity, if we fix musculoskeletal disorders, now we can get people physically active so we can lower the risk for cardiovascular disease, cancer, diabetes, obesity, and depression. I think we have such a gift uh, to bring to the population. Um, and another thing that's interesting, if you look at the bone and joint burden uh, study and their website, they would say 54% of the population has an MSD at any given one time. And we in our profession... Uh, the most the most generous statistics I've seen is are that we may, may see eight to ten percent of the population, and I think it's probably lower than that. Um, and so we have eight. Um, I, I'm getting the math here, but we have a big percentage of people we're not seeing. Um, so I think that's a huge opportunity for us. Yeah, yeah. 
quick math off the top of my head is we're not even seeing 20% of the available musculoskeletal MSD uh, patients. They're... Yeah, that's my math as well. 80% of folks we're not seeing. Are you a practice owner with a growth mindset? You're looking to grow your revenues, leave a bigger impact, build a legacy, and help more people in your practice, yet at the same time, you're dealing with the big challenges and headwinds like declining reimbursements, increased cost of doing business because of inflation, how to incentivize your staff or deciding where's the best place to run your online ads. Growing a practice can be absolutely overwhelming. To help, Breakthrough has put together a unique offer that I think you'll be interested in. For a limited time, listeners of this podcast can schedule a risk-free growth consultation with a Breakthrough Growth Expert. On that call, you'll walk through what you're currently doing in your practice and what you could be doing to increase the demand for your services. Breakthrough's mission is to help people overcome their health challenges naturally. And the best way for them to do that is by helping private practice owners just like you through building more demand for your services. Go to breakthrough.com forward slash podcast offer to take advantage of this unique opportunity. On that call, You'll learn the key principles of how practice owners are helping more people, creating a bigger impact, and building better businesses with Breakthrough Systems. As an added bonus, the team at Breakthrough is giving a $50 Amazon gift card to any of the podcast listeners who attend the growth consultation. Sign up for your growth consultation and $50 gift card at getbreakthrough.com forward slash podcast offer. Again, that's getbreakthrough.com forward slash podcast offer. We did not talk about this beforehand, but I would love, so let's say I have a private practice, which I do, and I'm saying, okay, I'm going to start going to, I'm going to, we're going to do direct to employer, which we have had some success with, um, whether it's workers comp or, um, you know, looking at MST from a, a preventative standpoint, how would I even start? How would I even go about doing that? And are there any pitfalls, major mistakes, lessons learned that that you've had, Matt, that you can just help me uh, not reinvent the wheel? <laughs> yeah. Doing so. So I can tell you some of the mistakes I've made. Um, the so the 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 big challenge, first of all, is being able to market and and sell it. You've got the marketing down. Um, the selling it um, is also a challenge. Um, to be able to understand that every different person in a company has a different problem they need solved and has a different language that they talk. So if I'm talking about to the safety manager, they've got a different problem they're solving than the HR director, than the CFO, than the CEO. And each one talks in a little bit different language. And what's been what's been a challenge in selling direct to employer is it used to be that companies were very top down driven. Now the org chart is much more horizontal. So it's not as simple now as getting a CEO to say yes and now it happens. The because org charts have gotten flatter, you need buy in at every level of that company. So the sale has become much more complex. So we you need to understand um, complex selling. Not it's not as simple as finding a key decision maker and thinking it's done. So that would be one thing is is understanding the complex sale process. Um, another would be is that we need to be able to talk the language of business 
And we also then need to think that it's our mindset shifts in regards to compliance. So the the employer is worried about different compliance than we are in our clinics. In our clinics, we have insurance, we have we have Medicare, we have eight-minute rules, we have CPT billing guidelines, we have all these things that we think about with compliance in our clinics. In the employer space, we need to understand compliance around OSHA. We need to understand compliance around IRS guidelines for free medical care with high-deductible health plans. We need to understand ADA, we need to understand HIPAA. So we, we have to go in with an understanding of these things because if if we don't understand these things and if we're not compliant with these regulatory bodies in the employer space, we can hurt our profession because I, I, I know that there's folks that have caused OSHA compliance issues, IRS compliance issues, HIPAA compliance issues, and then it sours the um that employer on ever trying again. So we need to understand those things. We also, another thing that's really important is in the employer space, the trust that you have with the employees is so very important. So how you handle confidentiality and how you you navigate um, what you're there to do. Uh, you're not there to be um, the employer's um, doctor of physical therapy uh, you're also not there to um, help the employee do whatever they want to get out of doing what they don't like to do. You're, you're, you're there to give people the, the all the right care that they need at the right time and for the right price. You're doing all and only what's needed to take care of people. And when you do that, it lowers their costs and it lowers the employer's costs. So those would be some of the things that um, are pitfalls. Um, that I have seen. Um, so hopefully that's a little bit helpful. Yeah, that's great. Uh, the So with Solve Global, um, are you helping other practices with this or is this just something specifically for, uh, for your clinics? Yeah, so a little bit of this story of, of Solve Global. So Solve Global, we started to build this system back in 2003, and we started to pilot the system or beta test the system at New Life Physical Therapy, my private practice. So we, we started beta testing this thing with employers in the Wisconsin region. Um, and then it was all about, okay, can we validate what we're doing? So then we went um, to the next step and we said, okay, we got to collect outcomes. We got to, to validate what we're doing. And we were able to then actually take what we we're doing and we got it validated by the validation institute where they look at your outcomes and say okay do we believe you're you're doing what you say you're doing so that was kind of cool so we were, we were building it up to the point where okay let's build it let's validate it and then we were like okay how can we help more people in the profession do what we're doing so we actually started to partner with with different private practices for using our system and they could use our system with employers and what we we found is we found that that the private practice owners and their therapists were having a really difficult time selling it. Um, selling it was very difficult and then making sure that that the relationship on the employer level is being handled correctly. And we also found that we were kind of fragmenting the market a bit. So we made a decision about a year ago to say, okay, what if we, we did a plug and play solution where we as Solve Global took care of the you know, of the sales, 
the sales part of it, we took care of the relationship management. We took care of the training and the implementation and the systems. And the provider could then just go in, use their, their skills to solve the problems that we identify. So we're, we're actually working on, you know, bringing this thing out nationally. And if a, a therapist has a relationship, we'll talk to the therapist and say, hey, we'll help you turn that relationship into revenue. And will help you deliver care at a higher margin than you're getting in your practices. So we've really went from a very decentralized focus where we're saying, here's, here's our tools, here's our training, go. We really found that wasn't really working over the last decade in regards to people being able to sell it. So we're, we're actually taking things um, centrally and we're doing a, a plug and play and doing everything for folks. Um, I mean, just recently I had a colleague of mine out of the Milwaukee area gave me a call that, hey, I've got a relationship with an employer here. Um, they're asking if we can do on-site services, and I have never done it before. And I said, well, um, if you want us to do it together, we can do that. And and we came in and we sold we sold the contract. Um, we actually got to turn around to this thing in about two months. We're going to be implementing 5-1, and he's going to be delivering the services. And he's going to be making a much higher margin than he is in his clinic. So we found a way, I think, that that will allow us to come up with a centralized strategy that's non-fragmented, that allows providers to plug and play and do what they do best, um, because selling is very difficult. Yeah, uh, completely agree with you there. Um, so for owners that are listening to this right now, what's the best way for them to learn more about Solve Global or to get in contact with you, Matt? Yeah, if they go to solveglobal.com, uh, they'll be able to kind of see what we're doing. They'll be able to see kind of the validations. They can reach out to me um, at Matt, M-A-T-T-V, at solveglobal.com, and we can have a conversation. I might be able to help. Great. I'll, I'll put both your email and the Solve Global URL in the, the show notes here. Uh, one more question for you. Um, I, in the prep here, you mentioned the MSK calculator. Oh, we Yeah. What, what is that? Yeah, so we developed um, a calculator that we put on our website. If you go to solveglobal.com, you can actually see the financial implications of musculoskeletal costs for employers with different um, employee sizes. So you can plug that in, and we base that basically on Milliman's uh, data and also data that we were able to uh, get from Optum and, and Aon. So we built that calculator off of those benchmarks so that an employer can actually put their thousand employees in there and they can actually see what they're going to waste on musculoskeletal spending over the next five years. Got it. So, uh, yeah, I just clicked on the site. I found to estimate your MSD overspend, number of employees, zip code, total annual health spend. That That's the calculator? Yeah, yeah. And that will give them an idea. So one of the things also, Chad, you mentioned earlier um, some of the challenges. One of the challenges that is there is employers don't always have a handle on their data. Uh, we thought they did um, years ago, but they don't always. So because they don't have a handle on their data, they don't even know how big of a deal musculoskeletal disorders is. So that's where that, that calculator comes into play. It can help show them that this is the impact this is having on your spend. Um, so that is kind of an interesting phenomenon. Very cool. Well, Matt, uh, th this has been amazing. I, uh, I now I'm reminded of the original conversation that I had with Paul and he had mentioned 
going direct to the employers. Uh, you definitely crushed it here, shared a lot of information and decades of experience. So thank you again for, for doing this. This was great. Hey, my pleasure, Chad. Thanks for hosting me and thanks for all you're doing out there. Remember to visit GetBreakthrough.com to access our free resource library designed specifically for private practice growth. While you're there, make sure you register for a complimentary growth assessment to learn about potential opportunities for growth in your local market. Again, thank you for tuning into the Grow Your Practice podcast and supporting our mission to help people in pain get back to normal naturally.